Welcome back to another week of Scarlet Spotlight. I'm your host, Cardell Jones, and this week, guest needs no introduction. The man, the myth, the legend, the guy who saved our perfect 12-0 season. The last time Ohio State actually was undefeated in 2012 with a big game-stealing interception versus the team of North, Mr. Tyvis Powell. Tyvis Powell, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. You know, anytime I can come out here and... and Bless your podcast. You know, I'm gonna come do it because you my dog. Uh, no, I appreciate it, man. I think you know that comment right there speaks about the brotherhood. Speaks about the things that you endure at a place like Ohio State. Um, no other place out there like Ohio State, and no mm-hmm. other place out there like Ohio. Period. We really embody the Ohio versus the world kind of mantra that you see is kind of resurfacing over the last couple of months after mm-hmm. Ryan Day made a big comment after the big win versus Notre Dame. Yeah. And I'm gonna just get right into to it, which you've been an Ohio native, mm-hmm. and really, what does Ohio football means to you, and mm-hmm. how did that path lead you to Ohio State? Well, for me, you know, Ohio football started for me when I was about nine years old. Uh, I just wanted to be like my older brother. He played football, and <laughs> I was like, you know, let me go try. And it come to find out, I was pretty good at it. Yeah, <laughs> when I was playing DN, you know, immediately yeah. you playing DN, just running around people. But I fell in love with the game, and obviously, you watch it on Sundays. And you know, at that time, that was when Michael Vick was playing, Ladanian Tomlinson, Chad Johnson, you some of the greats. Yeah, those were some of the guys that I was looking up to. And I was like, you know what, man, I really want to do this with my life because I just really enjoy playing it. Now, you know, I took it seriously. You know. As you know, we play Ohio playing in Ohio high school ball. Like that thing is serious. You think yeah. about just some of the guys that came before us, like Ted Ginn, Troy Smith, Dante Whitner. You know, they was all coming to Ohio State, and they was like not just going there. Like they were like they were superstars. Names. Yeah. yeah. So it was like when I seen that as a kid, I was like, you know what? It can be done. You know, you can be from Ohio and you can go to Ohio State and just really shine there. So that's when the love for it came uh, came to me. Um, and that's what I just wanted to do that. Man. I just wanted to come to Ohio State and keep my talent in Ohio. I'm a loyal guy. Obviously, you know, why would I need to go out anywhere else where you can go right to Columbus and be developed and go to the NFL and have a great career there. So I just thought everything that I needed was right here in Ohio. Yeah, and then you speak about some of those names, uh, Tegan Jr., um, be specific, playing for his dad, Coach Gann at, at Glenville. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it put things in perspective where – you know, in the inner cities in Ohio and really all around the country, it's not a lot of positive things going on, right, yeah. for the most part. And that's the, that's the sad reality of it. But once you see a guy that goes through the same circumstances to, uh, circumstances to a point you are going through and mm-hmm. make it through that, it gives you a lot of hope. Yeah. And especially having so many great examples before us and before me in particular at a school like Glenville and in a city like inner city Cleveland, the Glenville community, the St. Clair community, the Lakeview community, um, all of that gives you a sense of pride of, yeah. you know, like I said before, it's not a lot of positive things right. coming out of those environments. Yeah. So when something happened to that magnitude and not just, have an opportunity to leave that environment, but to flourish in other environments because of your previous environment. Right. It, it puts a bigger chip on your shoulder. And I, and we talked about this a lot. And I know, you know, you say you're the ultimate two one six guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you're always repping your, your Indians, your Cavs, your Browns <laughs> and, and things like that. And your birthday, even two one six. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just a different pride about it. And I think it embodies that Ohio versus the world mentality. And I was always, I was always kind of jealous of Glenville guys. <laughs> and I know that's crazy to sound to say, because obviously, you know, Bedford is considered the suburbs and Glenville is considered inner city. But I was jealous because for y'all, 
like for you in particular, you had guys that went to your school and made it to Ohio State. Yep. You know, at Bedford, the the only people we had was Chris Chambers and Lee Evans, and they all went to Wisconsin. Yep. So it was like Ohio State was never good enough, or they didn't they didn't think that the people at Bedford were good enough for Ohio State. So for me. It was even harder because it was like, man, yeah, like yeah, it's, it's, we already had the pipeline established. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, for me, it's like it's Wisconsin go be where I end up, yeah. and luckily, you know, I ended up meeting Jim Trestle, and he ended up giving me the offer and stuff like that. So it, it worked out. Yeah, and, and speaking of Coach Trestle, and you know, I kind of uh, say this: I was literally Coach Trestle's last committee of his guys who commit to him under his. Um, no, you, know, you wasn't. I, I was. was. No, I was. You was. Yeah, I was. When you commit? I committed June of. Uh, actually, I committed to him right before he resigned, like a week before he resigned. Oh wow! He gave he, he gave me the last offer. Well, I was I, the last quarterback then. <laughs> 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 he did, he I, I, I thought you got. I thought I swear I thought you committed like your junior year. No, I. I committed after my. Oh junior. wow! Okay, okay. Yes. Well, it's fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Well, you cool. you a year older than me. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good so point. you would have yeah, been a senior, yeah, and I would have been a junior. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh man, no, that's great. But uh, speaking of Coach Trustway and getting to that road to Ohio State, for me personally, I knew that was a place that I wanted to call home one day, mm-hmm. and the road clearly wasn't easy. And the reason why I kind of got thrown off of why and who was the last one because I had a detour. I went to military school. I went yeah. to prep school yeah. before I came in and reclass actually with you. You. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what kind of just threw me off. But going down a road like that just to make sure I had a home here was very important to me. Yeah. Speak about your road to Ohio State and once you finally got on campus. Man, my role was obviously you know, I committed as a as a junior or going into my senior year. But to get that offer, man, it was so much <laughs> that I had to do. Like, I was coming down to campus all the time, just just showing my face and getting friendly with the staff. Um, as far as a workout goes, man, I was getting up at 6 a.m. every day in high school, <laughs> like, trying to make sure that I can be ready because I ended up um, having a relationship with Taver Johnson. You know, he, yeah, was the, Johnson. He, he recruited our area, and, you know, he was the corners coach. So, for me, he was like, okay, this is to be the guy that and I'll be, obviously, he'll be my coach when I make it there. So, you know, me and him, just, he would see me. He'd be like, the, the thing about me was that nobody believed that I was truly 6'3 and that I could play corner. That was the thing. Everybody saw me and was like, he probably ain't six three. Obviously, you know, high school. Hey, yeah. He's 6'5", yeah. or you go in there, he's 6'1", so yeah. something like that. So when they saw me, they was like, man, you the dude that's on the tape, you 6'3 for real. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you really can move. Yeah, so I think for me, it was I just had to continue to work out and continue to work on my craft because for all of my life, I really wanted to play wide receiver and it wasn't. But, you, but you can't catch. Stop it. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Now, listen, it, I'll have you know that I could have played wide receiver here, but we're not even going to get into that. But when I got to when I played DB, you know, I hadn't played the position like my entire life because I always play wide receiver. So. I always felt like I was behind, so I was always doing the extra stuff, doing the extra drills, like backpedaling. Like, if you would have seen me as a sophomore, you'd be like, you can't even backpedal correctly. (laughs) So it was just a lot of mechanics and technique stuff that I used to work on. And luckily, you know, by the time I got out of there, I was was pretty decent at all of it. So that's really what 
my road to getting to Ohio State was just continuing to work on my craft. Obviously, once I got the offer, it was a no brainer to go there. But my mind was I didn't want to get there and just sit like I didn't mm-hmm. want to just, you know, people get there because one of the things that is they recruit good kids from Ohio, but a lot of them go down there and don't play. And I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to go down there and be able to contribute right away. And unfortunately, I ended up reassuring, but yeah. that's another story. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> looking back over not just your career, but our time at Ohio State, you had so many guys who kind of um, just went through the program and not having an opportunity to be developed <laughs> or not really applying themselves accordingly or what you thought would be accordingly yeah. to have success at a high level at Well, that I point. mean, for me, to be honest with you, if I'm going to be real with you, when I got to Ohio State, I did all of this stuff to make it to Ohio State. And when I got there, like, it was like, I did it, you know? Like, I was so like, yes, I'm here. But I never thought that I need to reset my goals. I was just complacent with just being here as a freshman. And I actually had a tough conversation with Coach Meyer <laughs> at the, after our <laughs> freshman year, you know, where he was even, he was like, you know what, you might need to look in the transfer and out of here because I don't think you're going to be good enough to play here. And I just remember just literally crying about it. Like, man, like, how did I work so hard to get here, finally get here, and just going to let this moment pass? And then I remember talking to Bradley Roby, and he was like, he's like, listen, bro, you only got one life. You only got one opportunity at this. So don't let this moment pass you by. And when he said that to me, it kind of woke me up. And, you know, after that conversation with Coach Meyer, um, I remember we came in. Because uh, remember, 2012, we was uh, bold, bold man. Man. Yeah, So yeah. we was gone from, like, the beginning of December. Yep. We had the conversation. We came back in January. And then we started winter workouts. And I remember in winter workouts, I was like, you know what? I'm going back to who I was in high school. That was the dude who was doing all the extra stuff, trying to make sure I can get an edge on the competition. And luckily, when we got to spring ball, it paid off. I became the start nickel. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I make this comparison a lot. And I said this publicly a few times about guys who's getting ready to transition from the NFL. I mean, from college to the NFL. I said, believe it or not, it's easy getting there. Yeah, it's fairly easy getting there. I think you go to a top program and you do fairly well. You have an opportunity to get there, but that's a foot in the door. Yeah. It's extremely hard to stay there. Yes. I think that's where the battle really, and you just hit on that. And sometimes because you as a kid, you grow up thinking like, I want this so bad. And this is my goal. This is my dream. Mm-hmm. And then when you reach it, you're like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. And not understanding, hey, is more time, effort, energy to put into this, to sustain this and yeah. to have a career at this point. I think that just goes for life period, you know, well, not getting complacent. Yeah, that and the fact that you you find out when you get it, you find out what's the real reason that you really wanted it, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it, did you want it for fame and money or did you want it because you wanted to actually be great at it? Yeah. And that was the thing, like, when I got here, like, did I just want to be here to say, oh, I'm a Buckeye? Was that the case? No, I wanted to make sure that when I left here, people remembered who I was. I made some plays here and ultimately helped me get to the next level. Yeah, and speaking about those plays you made and the introduction, I kind of highlighted one of the biggest plays of your, I think, um, college career. I think that play really gave you that household name and a lot of momentum leading on to the rest of your days at Ohio State. Yeah. What, if you had to pick, this may be tough because you played a lot of great football at Ohio State. You sealed a lot of games for us. And, I mean, you was a defensive MVP at the national championship game, you know, the first college football playoff championship game. But if you had to pick one play, mm. who do you think is your most memorable play at Ohio State? For me, my most memorable play for me, my favorite play, 
is is probably my pick in Virginia Tech, and it, it's a real good reason why. <laughs> the reason being is because, <laughs> so I, as you know, that was our opening game, and as you know, we lost to them the year before. <laughs> so we we in camp, and I remember none of the safeties could catch the ball down the middle of the field. We dropped mm-hmm. like every pick in practice, even when we was doing like drills, that we would just drop the ball going down the middle of the field. So. <laughs> Coming to the game, I didn't. I didn't did my preparation and whatnot, and I told Coach Ash, who was our safeties coach, I said, Coach Ash, if they throw that ball down the middle of the field, I promise you, I'm gonna pick the ball and I'm gonna point to you in the press box. And he goes, he was like, you ain't gonna, y'all ain't caught that ball all year. What makes you think that you gonna catch that ball in this game? I said, okay, just watch. So on that particular play. I remember in practice, after watching film, me and Coach Ash talked about it, and he was like, you know, if they come out in this formation, pretty much it's like a, a snug formation, and both receivers close to the line of scrimmage. He like, it's a two-man route. One's going to run an over, the other's going to run a post. He was like, the problem is, is that if they run the post, you got to, somebody got to be in the middle to, 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 to uh, get it, because the problem is if they run up, the dig is to catch the safety's eye. We was playing quarters yeah, at the time. Take the so it's to take the take that safety's eye and leave one-on-one with the corner. So <laughs> I was like, when I seen the formation, I was like, oh, this is the play. <laughs> oh, this is what I've been waiting on all game. So if you go back and watch me on that play, I immediately take off. I didn't I draw, I didn't even look at Forget the dig. That dig. I just went straight <laughs> to the post and the quarterback, like, I don't know how he didn't see me. He throws it anyway. And I just, as I'm looking at the ball, I'm just smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling to myself, <laughs> like, yeah, this is what I've been waiting on. And I catch it. And I'm just like, I wish I would have stayed on my feet because I probably should have. I could have made a good play and turned it to great, but not even going to go into that. Uh, I catch the ball, and the first thing I do is look up at the press box and smile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy because you're talking about that post-dig concept and quarters, and as a quarterback, those are type of things that we're talking like, hey, we know that, that boundary safety or that you know that quarter safety, he got to be a little low and help on his dig, mm-hmm. so he's going to have outside leverage on his corner on his, on his quarters concept, and boom, as long as you leave that thing inside him, don't throw the post on the backside as a corner is, you have a chance for a home run. So that goes into the cat and mouse game of yeah. the quarterback and usually the safety because usually people don't know when you break the huddle as a quarterback you know well I was always taught you get your eyes on the boundary safety because he's going to tell you a lot about the coverage and the rotation Mm -hmm. right not necessarily the whole thing but he can give you a good starting point it's going to be a one high structure or two high structure then you just go through your read keys from that to figure out everything else when the play starts Mm -hmm. and that is a big quarters beater that you would think is a dig post but you know you talk about the preparation you put into that and that came from football how have you really incorporated some of those preparations through what we learned with our staff in football to the things you're doing now mm-hmm. in life? Well, I mean, obviously, now that we're working in this sports media, a lot of the times it's me breaking film down and looking at taping, you know, trying to figure out where things went wrong and how can I explain this to people. So that's where a lot of my preparation comes from. Thank God that I was taught how to watch film properly when I was at Ohio State. You know, just being around some veteran guys and being around some coaches, some things to look out for. So now I can relay that same message, you know, to to listeners or to fans that's watching to teach them the game of football because I think that's the one thing that I'm pretty good at is breaking down this game of football that the average fan or not even the average fan can understand. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree because, you know, I, I caught a couple of your shows. I'm looking forward to getting out on the 18th when Ohio State hosts Minnesota home with mm-hmm. um, Big Ten yep. tailgate show. Big Ten tailgate show mm-hmm. where you go into depth a lot of the breakdowns uh, in a way that the average fan can understand yeah. and to respect the game. Mm-hmm. And like you said before, that just was a product of the lifestyle we li- we lived for mm-hmm. so long that is helping us with life after football. Right. And then with that whole transition of life after football, I think our staff did a great job of really um, installing those values into us. Like, hey, you know, you know, in the real world, people are going to work, pe- want people mm-hmm. that's going to have that dedication, that sacrifice, that teamwork, yep. um, that leadership type of qualities to help their brand or to help their business and, and to be a great, quote unquote, CEO. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got to give our staff a, a, a lot of credit for that, because without that, I don't think a lot of guys you see who transition to life after football struggle a lot. Yeah, because at a certain point of their lives, Football or whatever sport is all they knew. Yeah. And, you know, we fell into that, or I know I fell into that early on in my career, thinking that I'm going to play this thing until I'm 65 years old. That's and what I said. I'm gonna do. I said 41. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but what a lot of people don't know is, you remember when Coach Meyer made us do our five-year, 10-year plans? Yeah. So he actually did a and, – and they still do it at Ohio State. They do a really good job of making you – think beyond football yeah and as crazy as that may sound because we're so dedicated to football we're so locked in but they are providing avenues for you i mean they bring in people to talk to you from different companies yeah, Remember like, we had, this? yeah we yeah. got we had um the job fair I mean, yeah, where yeah, we had we actually freaking, had to put uh, suits on create resumes yeah. keep in contact with people so they did a good job of that and it was actually at that point where when i was doing my five-year ten year plan post uh college that I realized that this is something, an avenue that I really wanted to go down. And the funny thing is, if I go back and look at it, a lot of the stuff that I wrote down actually happened. Yeah, and that's great. I think those are some of the products that you get from playing for, you know, a staff like the one Coach Meyer created. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guarantee you, um, you know, the relationships you still have with Coach Ash and those guys mm-hmm. are, are life-lasting relationships. I'm saying for me with Tom Herman, you yeah. know, with these, and he's down at FAU now and trying to turn that program around. But we talk about some of the big things that really make Ohio State different. And you named clearly, you know, the tradition you named, plan, potentially playing for a guy like Coach Trussell at the time, mm-hmm. and then just being loyal to Ohio and want to stay home. I think some of those things are kind of still installed in that program. Mm-hmm when we talk about really preparing you for life after football and really being proud to wear this helmet. Yeah. Um, but what similarities do you see, um, if any, through this year's team in this last couple of years? I guess not just this year's team, but mm-hmm. the teams after us prior to – the teams after us and then the teams before us. So yeah. not our teams, but the teams that we grew up watching yeah. and seeing through the recruiting process and what made us want to be Buckeyes. Yeah. And then when we finally got there, kind of added to that culture, and now these guys after us. What's all those, what are some of those similarities that you see? Well, I mean, I still think that is you just have dominant players there. I mean, you got guys that's like <laughs> head and shoulders above anybody else out there on that field. And, you know, that's the one thing about Ohio State. You know, you look at – you take a look at some of the programs around – Around the country over the years, you know, they've had moments where they were the best. Yeah. And then as years go on, they kind of fell off. 
the one thing I can say about Ohio State is that they never fell off. Like they they might not have been in the title game, but yeah. they've been either one game away or maybe two games away from being in the title game every year. So just that championship mentality is still there. That competitive excellence that Coach Meyer always talked about is still there. And for me, as a defense, obviously it's been ups and downs. But as of lately this year, that defense looks just like that silver bullet defense that I grew up watching. I mean, just some of the stuff that they're doing, some of the yards, the way they force yeah. the fumbles, <laughs> the aggressive mentality. It looks fun to be out there. Like, For sure. I, I I really like this this Buckeye team, and I really love the fact that, you know, even after a, a rough couple of years on defense, they bounced back, and they really took it – they put it a chip on their shoulder, and they took it personally – and they going out there every Saturday and proving people wrong. Yeah, and I and I made this comparison, I mean, numerous times about this year's team, not just this team, but in particular, really the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of 2015, mm-hmm. where, and I know a lot of people are giving comparison to the 2002 National Championship team, yeah. where the team was just keep winning by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. But I say more the 2015 team because we have so many, we got a head and shoulders, better talent on offense on paper. Yeah where you should be putting up 60, 70 points, yep. but it's kind of underachieving. Mm-hmm. But when they show sparks of greatness, it's like, this is unbelievable. Then you had a defense that was so dominant, like this defense here, this year giving up less than four yards a play, yeah. which is unheard of. That's yeah. like pretty much a three and out yeah. every time an offense touched the ball. And they still haven't given up too many explosive plays. And you look at the collective group of guys, I wouldn't say not one guy really stands out on this defense. That I would mm-hmm. say, oh, this is a – top five, top ten pick. Right. But they play so good together yeah. that they elevate everyone else play where you might see three or four guys go in the first round. Yeah. Because they play with this defense or a part of this unit that was so dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love to see it. I mean, clearly, hopefully, they get the different results than we had, yeah. you know, in that, in that year. But I definitely think they can but because they're going to need it leading up to when you get late in November playing a team up north. Yeah. And leading <laughs> into that, do you still think, or do you think, the Big Ten goes through Michigan? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I you can't. I mean, as a as a Big Ten analyst, I have to call it the way I see it. Now, I think that you there's no other reason to say that it doesn't. I mean, they haven't lost, they haven't won a game by anything less than 24 points this entire season. Their closest game was against Rutgers this season, and they look absolutely dominant now people will say well they ain't playing nobody but that's not their fault you know your job is to go out there and dominate against whoever they put on in front of you and so far they've done that exactly and the offense yeah maybe it's not you know all this explosive but they put up points I mean J.J. McCarthy is starting to become a Heisman candidate again and that running back room is still good and Cornelius Johnson is good and Roman Wilson is really good so they got some playmakers over there and they're doing a great job of showing up every Saturday and looking like a really good team. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, we all try to make the say they haven't played anybody, but they're doing what they're supposed to do versus exactly. these opponents, so you can't take that away from them. And, yeah, I do agree it still runs through them, especially over the last two years that, you know, being able to beat Ohio State um, in the way they beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, this defense gives us a better chance. And I don't know, last time I said that about, you know, Ohio State team going to a game, I always was like, I mean, offense. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks, look at the playmaker. I'm like, yeah, you always will have a chance with a guy like Justin Fields or Dwayne Haskins or JT Barrett, that quarterback, yeah. or, or CJ, and, you know, all the 
unbelievable receivers and running backs. But now I'm like, this defense gives them a chance to really make a run, mm-hmm. especially in a year of college football where um, I think it's so wide open. I think this is yeah. this is the most wide open college football has been in, in some years from what I can remember. But kind of wrapping up, man, um, we, we talked a great deal about um, just what our staff prepared us for. What mm-hmm. piece of advice would you be able to give someone who's either transitioning to life after football if it's coming you know, four years, five years in college or three to 10 years in the professional level? I would tell them that to find something that you're passionate about um, outside of football, even if it is football, if it's football, you know, you learned the game. So if you can break that game down or be able to talk through a game, that's a profession that that's that's always wanted. Everybody always wants to learn more about football. And I think that everybody has their own unique perspective of how the game is being played so I think it's always a demand there but if it's not football find something that you're very passionate about you know it's something out there that you care about and you know look to explore that avenue because I want you to do something that that doesn't seem like work you know like for me this doesn't seem like work not this podcast, but doing being in sports media. It doesn't feel like work. It's something that I enjoy doing. I want to do it every day, and I just love it. And that's what I would would encourage other people to do. Find something that you're passionate about, that you love, and go explore that and see how far that can take you. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that hits the nail right on the head. I think, you know, I don't know if you ever heard me say that, but that was the best piece of advice I got from a guy named Anthony Lynn, who was my running back coach and coordinator at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, when he spoke to all the rookies, I think maybe our middle of the season. Land, uh, the head coach from the, that was, was the, the yeah. Chargers. So, yeah, he got the head coach. He traded for So, you me. know, his son was uh, my DB's coach in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> his wife is actually, not to go too much of the story, but he got Cleveland ties. But anyways, um, yeah, that's and he saw that our rookies was hitting the wall. I was one of those guys week 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. where in college football, you ready for a break because, you know, you're getting ready for bowl season. You got three <laughs> or four weeks off. <laughs> yeah. No, we got four more games, and that's not even we make the playoffs or not. <laughs> yeah. so you just hit a mental wall and he and he said that and you know I think it gave me so much clarity of I took so much pressure off myself of hey if I don't make it in this I don't know what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. when I was figuring it out while I was still in something I love to do yeah so and I think you know you hear the saying if you find a career you never work a day in your life yep. because you're getting up and you're going to do what you love to do and uh, that's a great piece of advice, man. And the final thing here, man, prediction for this week, Rutgers-Ohio State game. And I know we playing against Shiano, right? Shiano, like piano. Oh, appreciate it. Even better, Shiano. <laughs> um, Greg, and a, a guy that had a lot of Ohio State uh, history, um, not so good. Uh, um, <laughs> but, you know, so he's that's a game that he was going to want to win. And, and I guarantee you we see some type of trick plays and offsides kicks and things like that. Yeah. Um, but what is your prediction for the game? Uh, so my prediction for the game is that what what Rutgers like to do from the the couple of times that I've been able to watch them this season, and I was able to go out there and cover a game for them. You know, the Kyle Manung guy is really good, the running back. Mm-hmm. You know, he was one of those kids that wasn't highly recruited, kind of got overlooked. He got taught some. They, his his coach talked him into getting into Rutgers. His high school coach talked Rutgers into signing him took him and he's just worked his butt off and he's become one of the top running backs in the Big Ten. So the key is going to be trying to stop him and slow him down because if you can stop him, if you keep him under 90 yards, they are not really good at all. The team, the two games that I think they lost this year, he had like 40 yards rushing. And you got to force Gavin Wimsett, who's the quarterback, uh, 
make him throw the ball because I don't think he's thrown over 200 yards for a game this season. Yeah. And that's what teams were doing. They were selling out on the run and making Gavin Wimsett uh, beat him with his arm. I don't think they have the playmakers to do it for four quarters. So I think Ohio State will pressure them and make them put the ball in Gavin Wimsett's hand. Now, the one thing about him that makes him unique is that he is mobile. He's very, yeah. he's very involved in the run game. He's broke a bunch of long runs this season. So, Playing on defense, always having a mobile quarterback makes things challenging. But you have to make him stand in that pocket and deliver that ball, which I don't think he's going to be able to do for four quarters. So I think Ohio State takes advantage of that. I got this game being something like 31-7 to Buckeyes. Wow, that's crazy. So I'm going to go with something very similar. I think anytime when you in a point of, I mean, technically to be November when he's playing, you got to be able to run the ball. Yep. You got to be able to stop the run. Mm-hmm. I think this front seven for Ohio State, even though this is not the Rutgers teams that we grew up or we went through Ohio State playing where we putting up, you know, 89-0 and all this <laughs> other crazy stuff. Uh, you know, Shiano, uh, Shiano, I said it right this time, yeah. he is turning this program around and getting in the right direction. Do I think they're ready to compete with Ohio State in a top tier uh, Big Ten opponents yet? I don't think so. But who's to say the next three to four years? We'll see. But I got it 35-7. Okay. Buckeye. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Appreciate it's gonna, it, listen, man. It's going to be one of them games that no matter what the score is, they're going to fight for four quarters because that's just the way a Shiano coach team is. Yeah, and he got those guys playing with pride, and you can tell they love his, They love playing for a guy like that. Absolutely. And, and with a guy that, you know, previously had ties in that area, he mm-hmm. know how to recruit that area. Because mm-hmm. I think that's a key to Rutgers. Yeah. You got to be able to keep those guys in there because they, they got if, some ballers if, in, in Jersey, area. yeah. Yeah, they got some ballers there. So, man, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. And until next time, go Bucks. Go Bucks.